0: This is the Rundown. 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 Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station.
1: Live from the Auction Community Studios for the next two hours, Luke Lipinski here, Cody Fincher behind the glass, Jeff Darge behind the glass too, and Sarah Cazell dancing in the update booth. Hey. How's it going, Sarah?
2: Oh, we're hanging in. How are
1: you? (laughs) I, I feel like I'm I thought I was doing better than you until I saw that dance. And I realized nobody's doing better than you.
3: Wait, did I come off as a sad sack before?
1: No, I just figured I was doing better than you. I'm having a great day. But then I saw that dance. Well,
2: good for you. (laughs) Uh,
1: My suspicions have been confirmed. Uh, all right. It is, of course, Friday evening, in case you don't know that. And uh, you're probably sitting in traffic because it's Friday evening and because it's raining. Although as I look out the window, it's only raining like in half of the area outside the window, which could only happen in Arizona. How can you even see, though? It's black outside. No, it's over here. There's a there's like a sunset out this side of the window.
2: Oh, Luke is gesturing like Vanna White um, on
1: his side of the yeah. studio. And like Vanna White, I'm always right. <laughs> Isn't that how that works? <laughs> yeah, just beautiful in evening <laughs> gowns, both of you. Oh, thanks. No, you can, you're in the middle of the building. I'm next to the window. I can see what's going on.
3: Okay, fine. You, know? you are the weather guy.
1: I'm, well, I could be a great weather guy. It's sunny 363 days of e- of the year, and then the other two days, whatever. <laughs> you know, since you brought up weather guys, <laughs> yes, you started me down this <laughs> path. How many times do they get to say, like, oh, 100% chance of rain. I know it's weird to take the stand today because it is raining. Yeah. And then when, it, like, three days ahead, they'll be like, it's a 100% chance of rain next Tuesday. And then Tuesday hits and there's not a cloud in the sky. And they're like, well, ah, it's weather. <laughs> you're asking me
2: how they get away with that? Yeah.
1: Why do you think I know? I, well, I don't know. I was, uh, you're good at holding people accountable. So I figured that <laughs> this is, like, your, your special area. Well,
3: the, the weather folks, that's a group that I've not... Um, not tackled yet so maybe that's a goal for
1: 2021 you should not be dancing so confidently if you have not (laughs) conquered the meteorologist okay Um, okay nice (laughs) that's gonna be a long show all right Um, starting in the NFL uh, the Deshaun Watson news the uh, Houston Texans don't seem totally on board with the fact that they're going to uh, lose their quarterback maybe they are and they're just pretending they, uh, they don't, this is Nick Casario. This is their GM. So like a guy that's, you know, in a pretty prominent position within the organization
4: organizationally, um, just want to reiterate our commitment to Deshaun Watson. Um, he's had a great impact on this organization, a great impact on a lot of people, a great impact on this team. And, uh, we look forward to the opportunity to spend more time with them here this spring. Once we get started and, you know, we have zero interest in trading the player. Um, we have a great plan, a great vision for, for him and for this team and his role on our team, and we look forward to the opportunity to spend more time with him here this spring.
1: Okay, well, that's great, <laughs> but you're going to have to trade him because you cannot have an unhappy quarterback leading your franchise. And the, and the thing is, like Deshaun Watson is not somebody who's constantly looking for something to complain about. And honestly, if you lined up a lot of professional athletes, if you lined them all up, Deshaun Watson would probably be near the bottom of the list of people you would think, just personality-wise, would demand a trade. But the Texans let it get to this point. I know they're switching things around now in the front office and with coaching staff and everything, but... um, It's, it it certainly sounds like it's too late. This is the new coach, David Cully.
5: The only thing I knew about this whole situation at that point was, is that I was being interviewed for, for this job to be the head coach. And I did know at that point, Deshaun Watson's a Houston Texan. He's a quarterback of the Houston Texans. And that's all that I was concerned about. And that's all I knew. And, and, Whatever was been said about what was been what he wanted to do or he didn't want to do, all I know is this: having been in this business this long, you know he is a Houston Texan, and I want him to be a Houston Texan. And the reason I'm in this position today is because I knew he's going to be a Houston Texan, and so that the outside stuff that was being said was irrelevant to me because the most important thing to me is that at that time was figuring out what can I do after talking with Nick and his family to become the head coach of the Houston Texans.
1: Yeah, you had me up until you said, I know he's going to be a Houston Texan. I get the, yeah, I took this job. I know the situation. I hope Deshaun Watson is my quarterback. Well, yeah, because there's not a lot of quarterbacks, young quarterbacks in the league that are better than Deshaun Watson. But when you tell me you know Deshaun Watson is going to be a Houston Texan going forward, and as far as I can tell, the Texans can't even get a hold of Deshaun Watson. No, no. I mean, the percentage chance that he is still the quarterback in Houston at the start of next season is if I set the over under at like five percent. Is anybody taking the over? I don't I can't imagine he's on Houston next year. I mean, that's this is not common in the NFL. I hope it doesn't become common in the NFL. I don't I don't love this aspect of the NBA. I do like the players having more power than they do currently in the NFL. But I hope this doesn't become a thing where it's just like, yeah, let's all go join. Uh, we all want to play for Miami or we all want to go play for, you know, whoever. And then three or four prominent NFL players can force their way out. We've all watched this unravel in Houston around Deshaun Watson through no fault of, of, of his. And so I think in this one specific situation, I like think we can all kind of agree. Yeah, Houston, you botched this a lot of times. It doesn't mean that you have to lose your quarterback, but I don't think any of us can hold it against Deshaun Watson that he wants out. But I don't want this to be like the start of a trend where, okay, yeah, no, next year there's uh, four or five more players that are, that are really good players that are demanding they get out of their contract and get to go somewhere new. I know the other argument is like, well, the owners don't really have to honor the contract, so why should the players in the NFL? Fine. You can make that argument, and I can't shoot a lot of holes in it other than I don't want to watch football if all the players can change teams every year. I don't think we're going to get to that point. I think this is a, a, an outlier of a situation. And I think they really had to push Deshaun Watson to get him to this point. But um, still, it is, it is interesting the thought that maybe, I mean, there's definitely a school of thought that Deshaun Watson trying to force his way out of Houston now is like LeBron leaving uh, Cleveland the first time to go to Miami. Although, again, I don't have a problem with free agents teaming up and going wherever they want to go. It's when players start forcing their way out of town when they're under contract. All right, let's get into the rapid reaction.
0: The Rundown Rapid reaction. Rapid reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories.
1: Well, everybody won last night. I can't even remember the last... Everybody won last night and it's raining today. When's the last time this all happens in Phoenix, Arizona? We had... Let's just go through each of them. The Phoenix Suns came into their game last night against Golden State on a three-game losing streak. And they took down the Warriors 114-93. to uh, We'll get more into this. Charles Barkley had some comments about the Suns leading into the game. And at one point he did say he didn't like the, the fact that they traded Kelly Oubre away. Kelly Oubre is not doing well with Golden State. He is a much better player than he shows, certainly than he showed last night. He was 1-11. for 11. He was a, a minus 17 for the game. He finished with four points and four rebounds. He just cannot find his spot with that team. On a team that has Steph Curry, and, I mean, they do have Clay Thompson, even though he's not playing right now. You watch the Warriors this year, and Steph's out there hitting, you know, his threes. He's hitting, I don't know, last night he was 5 for 10. I mean, Steph, he's going to hit most of his threes. But it seems like a good chunk of the game, it's just Kelly Oubre chucking up shots that aren't going in. Like, it, it's, it's amazing. He just, it's like he forgot how to shoot once he left Phoenix. And I'm sure now he's pressing... Uh, Suns fans know this. I mean, he he never hid the fact that the mental game was a huge part of it for him, both good and bad. I, I'm sure he's he's in his own head right now. He's got he's averaging 11 points per game this season, which okay, it's not like terrible. I think Golden State could get by with him averaging 11 points, but nice, not with how many shots he's taking. He's just he's so inefficient, and he's just. Uh, uh, I mean, they're already there's rumors they're looking to trade him. He's been on the team for 19 games. Anyway, it helped last night. It helped the Suns get that win, a, a much needed win one fourteen ninety three. So the Suns snapped their losing streak. ASU snaps their losing streak in basketball. It had extended to six games, and it had dated all the way back to December thirteenth. But they get the win last night seventy two six or, uh, yeah seventy two sixty eight over Cal. And um, look, there's a lot of uh, work for the Sun Devils to do if they want to make the NCAA tournament at this point. They've dug themselves quite the hole, having not won a game in a month and a half. And even though those games that got postponed are not ASU's fault, that's still working against them unless they can reschedule them and go out there and win a bunch of games. But um, at least they stopped the bleeding last night. Remy Martin, 19 points. They will, um, well, they have Stanford on Saturday, and then they're going to have Utah on Tuesday, but that's been postponed. So the schedule, the ASU schedule is just a headache when you look at it. And also, the site I'm looking at has ASU schedule out of order because they clearly just threw their hands up and gave up. And in hockey, the Coyotes ended their losing streak, and not only that, they scored. They had gone two games without goals, but they put three past John Gibson last night, which is yeah, it's one of the better goalies in the NHL. They beat Anaheim 3-2. They don't play until next Tuesday. So, Suns win. They'll play tomorrow against Dallas. ASU wins. They will play tomorrow against Stanford. And uh, the Coyotes win. They will play next Tuesday against St. Louis. When we come back, how does a potential Deshaun Watson deal impact the Cardinals, whether he ends up in the division or should he be ending up on the Cardinals even? That's next. It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: It's the rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
1: Luke Lipinski back here with you. The Deshaun Watson stuff. This is one of those moves that is going to impact a pretty good chunk of the NFL next year. Uh, if he ends up on the Jets, maybe not so much. But if he ends up on San Francisco, if he ends up on the Patriots, uh, there's a lot of teams if he ends up on them. It's it's not just going to impact that team. It's going to directly impact the teams in uh, the, the new team's division. And really, I mean... Deshaun Watson is a good enough quarterback where it could have a ripple effect across the entire NFL. So I did the show. I filled in for Vince Morata yesterday with Dan Bickley. And as we were doing the show, Dan brought up the idea that the Cardinals really should be in on this. And I know this is kind of a bounce around a little bit. Actually, Cody brought it up on, on this show like two weeks ago. And we just we talked about it for about two minutes. But but uh, Dan has a story up on ArizonaSports.com today, which is um our column up there, which is it's it's worth a read. I mean, it really does make a compelling case and, and I think I could even piggyback on it a little bit more. I know they took calls on their show today and I think everybody that called in agreed. If you could just in a vacuum, would you rather have Deshaun Watson or Kyler Murray? As much as I like Kyler Murray and as much as I believe this is one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think he's going to be a legit, I've said on this show numerous times, I think he'll be a top five quarterback by the end of of next, a top five quarterback to build around. Deshaun Watson's better right now. And Deshaun Watson's not, this is not like, this is not like having the conversation and saying, would you rather have Kyler Murray or Aaron Rodgers? Or even Russell Wilson, like Wilson's in his early 30s. He plays quarterback, he could play into his early 40s. I mean, Tom Brady's going to play into his mid-40s. He's playing for a Super Bowl at 43 in a week and a half. It's different at quarterback. But a guy like Russell Wilson, a guy like Aaron Rodgers, I think you at least have to take into consideration how long they've been in the league simply because, you know, Rodgers been in the league 15 years now, you figure you figure they're probably not going to get a whole lot better. I know he's he's having an am- or he just had an amazing season, and he's going to be an MVP this year. But generally speaking, when you're having this conversation about, like, who would you trade Kyler Murray for? I think, the, honestly, the list of quarterbacks that I would trade Kyler Murray for is Patrick Mahomes, which obviously the Chiefs would never even look at any other team, and, the, and Deshaun Watson. And, honestly, Houston shouldn't be looking anywhere either. But this is where this gets interesting, is because everybody knows Houston has to trade him, it doesn't drive his value down so much where they're not going to be able to get a good return for Deshaun Watson, but they can't, they cannot honestly believe that the long term solution in Houston is going to be holding on to him. Like maybe, maybe they can keep him around for another year. But as I said earlier, Deshaun Watson's not like one of those impulsive guys that, that reads like a tweet he doesn't like. And he's like, I want out of here. Pretty patient guy. If you know his story, he's, he went through a lot in his life before he ever even got to Clemson. By all accounts, a pretty loyal guy. He's sort of the last guy standing in Houston right now, other than like J.J. Watt. So for him to get to this point, I just, I don't know that they're going to say, okay, let's, uh, let's have the new coach go talk to him, and he's going to talk him into staying. Like, I, I would be shocked. I would, I would be absolutely shocked. And so if that's the case, and you start to look at teams that can make a trade, for Deshaun Watson, I still think Miami makes the most sense because they can offer picks. Granted, they're Houston's picks, and they can offer a young quarterback on a rookie deal and Tua. Although we don't know what Tua is going to be, and like the Jets can offer a bunch of picks, they're desperate and they're gonna they'll offer everything they have, which isn't much on the field, but in terms of picks, the Jets, you know, the Jets have picks. They've they've you know. But if you're the Texans. Don't you want a legitimate quarterback back? And yet you're also rebuilding. So it's not like if you're the Texans, you want to trade him for... This would never happen, but like a Matthew Stafford. Like, I just, I'm just throwing out a name like that. If you're the Texans, you're like, okay, we're going to win in a couple years. Because they've got other issues. I'm just saying from the Texans' point of view, they shouldn't be trying to trade Deshaun Watson. But if they are going to, if the Cardinals called... That would be the most enticing offer to me. Them in Miami. But again, with Miami, you're, what are you are you going to make Tua your starter? Or are you going to use the third pick in the draft that I would assume you would also get from Miami? Are you going to use that on Justin Fields? Do you trust Justin Fields or Tua as a quarterback over Kyler Murray in the NFL? I don't. The Cardinals could offer them a legitimate, probably top five quarterback in the NFL within a year or two. So, I... If the Cardinals were interested, I think Houston would have to listen. Now, I made the point yesterday. Maybe the maybe Houston just has the Cardinals' number blocked because of of what they did to them on the DeAndre Hopkins trade. I don't know. But there's not a lot of players. We were talking about this in the uh, out in the newsroom before the show. There really aren't a lot of players I would trade Kyler Murray for, and the ones that I would shouldn't be available. But in a Weird twist of of circumstances. One of them actually is. So, do I think the Cardinals would do this? No, I don't. I don't think this trade will get done. I think Houston. I think Houston will end up trading him to Miami. But it is something to think about because the other area where you at least have to, you at least have to be aware. You wouldn't make a trade for this reason, but you at least need to be aware if you're the Cardinals and and. Like, let's say Houston called and they're like, okay, would you consider Kyler and a pick for Deshaun Watson? I would hope the Cardinals would at least take the call, think about it, and then, you know, whatever. There there is something to be said for consistency with your quarterback from one year to the next. Like, it's not, this we're not dealing in a vacuum. If you deal Kyler Murray away, you're like kind of starting over, but you're not really because you're you're bringing in an established but still young quarterback. But I would hope the Cardinals would at least take a look at it. But if you're, the, if you're the Texans and the Cardinals are like, yeah, we'd be interested, I, how do the Cardinals not move to the top of your list? And part of the reason why the Cardinals would have to listen is because if, if the Texans call and you say no, what if their next call is San Francisco? There's definitely a scenario out there where Deshaun Watson ends up on the 49ers, Matthew Stafford ends up on the Rams, and how are the Cardinals going to jump those teams? I know they finished ahead of San Francisco, but if San Francisco has Deshaun Watson and all their players back, the NFC West definitely came into last season as the toughest division in football. There were a couple divisions that kind of moved up last year, but I would say overall the NFC West is still the toughest, and it might get significantly tougher next year. So while I'm not sitting here like pounding the table saying you have to trade Kyler Murray for Deshaun Watson, I think you you better have your ears open to everything because the teams around you are going to get better this offseason, which is a scary thought. So the Phoenix Suns get the win last night over Golden State. It was weird seeing Kelly Oubre just not be good, and he really hasn't been for a good chunk of this season, really this entire season. He's been a mess in uh, Golden State. Charles Barkley, this is before the game. On the pregame show, talking about the Suns and how he's been disappointed in a team that at that point was 8 and 8. This
6: is why I keep going back to it. This is the biggest game. Uh, disappointing. Uh, obviously, living in Phoenix, after going 8 0 in the bubble and getting Chris Paul, there was really high expectations. Um, it's not working. What's uh, not working? Uh, they don't have an identity. Uh, that's, you know, sh- we talk about this all the time. They don't have an identity. You know, I, uh, so so uh, it's it's interesting to watch them. They've been up and down. They got off to a good start. They lost a bunch of games. And now, like I say, they just, they've just they lost three in a row. And um, uh, like I say, they just, to me, they don't have an identity. I don't know if they're an offensive team. I don't know if they're a defensive team. Uh do they they want to run everything through Booker or Aiden? So uh, I think the main thing I say I'm disappointed that they don't have an identity at this point.
1: Look, Charles Barkley knows a lot more about basketball than all of us combined, so I'm not I'm not disputing that. I I think it's I think it's a little bit early to be disappointed in the Suns' big picture. If that makes sense, this group of Suns, you know, Monty Williams in his second year, but. Last night was his 17th game with Chris Paul, and potentially a rejuvenated or, you know, however you want to describe DeAndre Ayton on a day-to-day basis. So, it, it is a new group of sons. When you, when you add, it's this is not like a typical offseason where you're like, oh yeah, we added a, a guard to come off the bench and we drafted a guy. Like, no, okay, you added Jay Crowder and you added Chris Paul. This is your second year with Monty Williams. It's a weird year for everybody. There was no real off season the The bubble was a good experience for the suns, but it was you know it's different if the sun- if we get to a point like a month month and a half from now when the suns are kind of the same, just inconsistent like they just look like a different team from night to night, yeah, okay. I'd be more disappointed then, but I think you gotta give Monty a little more time than these first. 16 games now 17 especially cuz right now he doesn't have Devin Booker either and you know for the first 6 they were really good they were 5 and 1 so i get it i get and I, I you know i get being disappointed after three straight losses but that's like a in you know right in the middle of the season right in the thick of things i'm disappointed with this week not i'm disappointed with the Phoenix Suns not having an identity they do need to get one but i think you got to give a team a little more time when they bring in a player as big as Chris Paul. Because you're not bringing in Chris Paul and being like, okay, Chris, you're going to play uh, 18 minutes and, you know, you'll come off the bench and we're not going to change anything for you. Like You're changing your entire tempo. You're changing everything for Chris Paul because you believe, and I think rightfully so, he's going to change a lot of your weaknesses into strengths. But that stuff takes time. And we saw it last night when we saw them look better and win a game without Devin Booker. But... Um, Again, Kelly Oubre, in a weird way really helped out there. All right, we come back. We've been having this quarterback discussion. When we come back, we'll do the top five. We're new top five quarterbacks, young quarterbacks in the NFL right now, you would build around. That's next. It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on 987 FM Arizona Sports Station.
0: The rundown with Luke Lipinski. I've always heard you have every guy in 987 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right that music of course means it's time for a top five list and i first of all we have to give cody fincher a ton of credit stuck we, around you stuck around to do this list yes i did i'm here you are you could be out there in that rainstorm right now and instead you chose to stay here after your 12-hour day or however long it was. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we will uh, we'll do this here right now. we are we're all together isn't this great um it's top five with all the Deshaun Watson discussion and, you know, the debate over the last couple of days of, you know, would you trade Kyler Murray for Deshaun Watson? It kind of got us thinking just who are the guys you would trade for, but how about just bigger picture? Who are the top five young quarterbacks in the NFL right now to build around? So, with that in mind, that rules out the Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Nobody's saying that these guys on this list, you know, at number five are better than Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. It's who would you build a team around right now that you're building, like, for the future, not just for this upcoming season. So the tough one, and I'll just put this out there right now, the tough one is Russell Wilson because he's in his early 30s. Yeah. But we both left him off the list. Matthew Stafford also is apparently only 32 years old. I know. I thought he was 84. <laughs> <But> <laughs> that that's what That's what playing for the Lions will do to you. Yeah. All right. You said you, this was easy for you. This was I don't know really about difficult. Easy, but
2: I'm mean... stressed out. Okay. Well, I'm not stressed out. Right. I guess I'll go first then yeah, since you're do. all freaking out over there. Yeah. Uh, number 5, Justin Herbert. Okay? Uh, holy crap. Did he come out of not out of nowhere? Everyone knew who Justin Herbert was. Nowhere, Oregon. But Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> rename, rename it. Rename Eugene to nowhere. Uh, or,
1: but go over well.
2: What I mean by that is, I mean, I, I always go back to that game he played against ASU and how terrible he looked. And I'm like, oh, this guy's not going to be any good. And then he gets thrown into an NFL game because a trainer punctures Tyrod Taylor's lungs with a syringe. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. And he never looked back, and he looked really good. And he's, he's not only he's got the size. And the arm, but he's also mobile, too. Yeah. And there's a couple guys on my list that, who are... Actually, all of them are like this. So you're kind of seeing where we're going here. Yeah. With, with uh with
1: young quarterbacks who you build around. But yeah, number five for me is Justin Herbert. I would make fun of that selection, but number five for me is Justin Herbert, too. Um, and and I, I guess we can have a more, like... Complete discussion after we know the Lists but to me the Top four you could put them in, in Different orders but I was pretty comfortable With the top four but that number five one Like there was there was a lot of Names I had ten guys On this list to consider and, and once you take Russell Wilson now you get down to nine but I had like nine Nine players to legitimately consider All right so who do Where you have
2: Taysom Hill
1: uh, He was just outside <laughs> the top Ten he was in my he was top Five quarterbacks uh, that are actually uh, tight ends If that helps yeah all well, right. that you can play a tight end in fantasy, yeah. But to your point, though, with Herbert, I mean, he was he wasn't good against ASU last year, but he was he was a good college quarterback. But even when even when they took him, my thought was kind of like they're doing this because they he's okay and they're desperate for a quarterback. Yeah, remember they took him and that allowed Isaiah Simmons to fall to the Cardinals, basically.
2: Basically, yeah. yeah. i yeah, that's true. Uh, number four for me, as frustrating as he is at times. Lamar Jackson, the the kid is just uber talented. It's you can't you can't uh, you you can't just toss that aside. He's got all the talent. He's got a good arm. He's not the most accurate passer. He's an electric runner. It's crazy. So if you get him in the right system, like Baltimore, it kind of molded their system around what he's good at. And if he can develop into a solid passer. Holy crap, he's going to be really good. Um, but yeah, I I there definitely he is he's frustrating at times just watching some of the inaccurate passes he throws, but you know, other times he just looks electric out there. So I n- number four for me. I
1: wouldn't put him in the top three, but and I know that pains you because you did have him on your fantasy, one of your fantasy. I games did,
2: and it, I know what the frustration is like.
1: <laughs> I one am- day,
2: one game he'll throw for three hundred yards and a couple touchdowns, and run for eighty yards and a touchdown. The next game he throws for one sixty three and two picks. Yep, still runs for eighty because that's just what they do. But
1: man. He's uh he is all those things you just said, both good and bad, and he is he's an electrifying player, and I would love to have him as my quarterback, but I don't have him on my list. He was oh, the one okay. I struggled all with. All right, all right. It was between him and Herbert and one other guy that I I went with Herbert at five just because and I don't think it's Lamar Jackson's fault that they're not winning in the playoffs. I know they got a win this year, but um Yeah. But the way that team is constructed, it's built around him. And I just don't ever trust them to come back in a big game if they're down by 10 points. Yeah, Uh, Number four on my list is actually Kyler Murray. Okay. I I was wondering. I I feel like he can do a lot of what Lamar can. He's not quite as... I don't know. He is a good runner when he runs. I mean, he's right there with Lamar. He's just not as big, so you don't want to run him as much. I get that. But I feel like he's he's already a better passer than Lamar, so I'll have Kyler at four. Number three for me, Josh Allen. I mean...
2: Talk ab- Remember how th- there's this old adage in the NFL where you can't improve accuracy. You, <laughs> you can't improve accuracy. Josh Allen did it. He improved accuracy from last year to this year. And I believe they talked about it all the time. He just did a little bit of changing to his throwing motion, and it fixed everything. Yeah, well, and they added Stephon Diggs. It, that's that how you—that's yes. how you change Cole, your accuracy. And Cole Beasley. Yeah. Um, but honestly, and it's kind of the same thing with Justin Herbert. He's—he's this—he's got the size. Josh Allen, even more. He's even bigger than Justin Herbert is. I think he's got a huge rocket arm, and the dude can run. He can run. That's I mean, the thing. When, and
1: when he needs to run, he runs. Unfortunately
2: for Buffalo, he needs to run a lot more than he should because their running game is terrible. But Josh Allen's got all the tools, man. And I I, I would be very comfortable building my team around him in the, for the long haul. But, yes, you're right. It does help when they add a
1: receiver like Stephon Diggs. Would you have had him on this list in like week? Four, because I wouldn't have, but he's my number three too, Josh Allen, because there's there's yeah, no way I don't know about
2: that. There's no,
1: no way after what he just did and what the Bills just did, in a large part because of him, where you cannot have, have him on this list now. Yeah. And certainly, five weeks into the season, I would have had him behind Kyler Murray, but you can't discount the fact that they just made the AFC Championship and he was he's at the center of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we both have Josh Allen number three. Who do you have, number two? I think, I think our top tier are going to be the same. If if this list plays out the way it looks like it's going to, that's...
2: Well, okay. You, I would assume you have Deshaun. Deshaun Watson, number two. Yeah, The dude is an MVP already. He's only, what, 25 years old. He's got all the tools. Huge arm. Accurate. Can run a little if he has to. Can read defenses. He... I mean, I really only watched one houston Texans game this year because they, they played on Thanksgiving. And he looked really good in that game. I know they were playing the Lions, but still, like he made those, he made Brandon Cooks good this year. Think about that. Oh, I thought about, about that.
1: It. The guy I, I vowed would you. never be on my fantasy team again, and he ended yes. up on my team. And he and was, he was good. good. He was
2: good because and of Sean Watson. Watson.
1: That alone should be enough for him to pick wherever he wants to go play football. He made Brandon Cooks consistent this year, right? Um, yeah, I mean, what this was his fourth year. And the previous three years I believe Houston made the playoffs all of them. Um and a lot of that's him. And he's only getting better, like you said, he's twenty five years old. It's it's like the perfect storm if it wasn't for who we both have number one, which yeah. oh, is who is that? Well, um let's see, um uh, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> um
2: Sam Darnold. Yes, oh, yeah. Josh Rosen. Oh, what? Uh, yeah, that class. I mean, it's obviously Patrick, yeah, it's Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. It's
1: ridiculous he's ridiculous. He's a freak. How about those three quarterbacks in the first round of that draft? Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, and Mitch Trubisky. Not oh in that God. order. God. Mahomes is is on a whole nother level. He he plays football. I mean, he's only in his what third year as a starter. Yeah. Probably gonna win his second super, super bowl. Oh my at least gosh. he's
2: at least in it. And he probably would have gotten to another Super Bowl if D four didn't jump yeah, off
1: sides. That's the thing. They had the Patriots beaten. Oh. Can you imagine but, if if he had won three Super Bowls in his first three years as a starter? Yeah. He we would already be calling him that's the greatest insane. quarterback of all time. But
2: go back to Deshaun Watson. Just what was it? Last year. The yep. Texans were a half away from beating the Chiefs. They were up 24 nothing in
1: the second quarter of that game.
2: And then they've proceeded to trade De- uh, DeAndre Hopkins and probably are going to have to
1: trade Deshaun Watson. Yeah. and What uh, the heck? It, and we were talking to one of the writers from The Athletic yesterday. If they trade Deshaun Watson, who looks like they're going to have to, probably J.J. Watt's going to be like, all right, why am I... Like, get me why out of here, Why am I too. here? Yeah. Yeah, I would have That mess. would be... A-
2: huge that would probably be the one besides your franchise quarterback that would be the biggest loss for houston he's jj watt has done so much for houston yeah like after those the floods and the the, everything like that. what he does for that community also did you notice i didn't have kyler murray on my list yeah
1: okay so some of these names well first last lastly on watt if, if you're a Texans fan and you lose DeAndre Hopkins, you lose, you give up 51 of the last 58 points in that game against the Chiefs in the playoffs last year. <laughs> so that was That's like so 14 That's months ago. So yes, it is. Oh, my God. It wasn't even 14 months ago. It was 12 months oh. ago. Then you lose DeAndre Hopkins. And then if you lost oh. to Sean Watson and, and if you lose J.J. Watt, who's oh. been the fan favorite there forever. And like lost in the shuffle was Andre Johnson, like yeah, a month ago, yeah. piling on too on Twitter. Right. Like even if your your former great players are piling on the organization, like you got you can exactly look in the mirror. Yeah, so you don't have Kyler on the list, and I didn't have Lamar on the list, which is more of a uh, a testament to just how many good young quarterbacks there are in the league.
2: Yeah, my thing with Kyler, and I think he's going to be a good quarterback, but man, for me, I, I don't know. This hit, he's he's short. I remember we were, he doesn't get passes batted down. Mm. He never did it in college because they're playing the big 12. There's no defense,
1: (laughs) not, not facing Aaron Donald.
2: You're constantly moving around the pocket and everything like that. And then, yeah, these guys learned, just put their hands up and you might hit the ball. And then obviously right now he's not, he's not really good at reading defenses yet. And that's, this is going to be his third year coming up
1: next year and he needs to get better at that what so okay if, if houston called you what would you be willing to give oh, up boy. for deshaun watson because to me i don't want to give up much more than kyler murray because i know in the back of my mind i'm helping you out houston like you, I know you desperately need to well, make a trade and i'm giving you the best quarterback you could possibly ask you for. would
2: have to trade kyler murray there's no if ands or buts yeah. about it well you
1: wouldn't need both. but I don't like
2: I've seen some things out there that are like Kyler Murray and Isaiah Simmons. And I'm like, "Eh." that's like Kyler Murray as I would even consider round and another draft pick. "Eh." Like I thing about the Cardinals is they don't have to do it. Yeah, that's because because Kyler Murray is still young. He still looks like he's going to be a good quarterback and it looks like he's on his on on a path to be a franchise quarterback even. So the Cardinals shouldn't act like they're desperate here if they're even going to be involved at all, which I think you, you're you doing yourself a disservice as a franchise if you aren't at least thinking
1: about it. You should at least be able to kick the tires. If although, this
2: makes your team better, yeah. you should
1: consider it. Somebody did tweet into the uh, tweet me yesterday when we were doing the show during the day, and they were like, if you're going to do that, you better be careful it doesn't get back to Kyler Murray, that you're doing it. Everything gets back to these guys. Yeah. So that I is, mean, they
2: hear things. It, their agents, are that's what they're there
1: for. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's true. But I, you're right, though. You can't. Knowing that a team, one of your rivals in your division might trade for Deshaun Watson and just knowing that Deshaun Watson is available, you at least need to be involved enough to know what's going on. Just so you have all the information. But you're right. If there's no trade on the Cardinals end, big deal. We were all happy with Kyler Murray and we still are all are happy with Kyler Murray. The guys that I just left off my list were Lamar. He would have been sixth. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence, I didn't know where to put him.
2: <laughs> I didn't even think about the draft. He's, well, That's he's funny. the only one
1: I would. I Because would, anybody that hasn't played in the NFL yet, there's right. a chance they get there and just aren't that good. Yeah. I uh, For me, it was, you know, Russell
2: Wilson. I had that same thought as you did. Like, he's not that old, but yeah. he's just old enough to where he, I don't know. And then Baker Mayfield.
1: Jeff um, Joe Burrow anywhere? No, I didn't even think of Joe Burrow. My my worry with Joe Burrow is we don't know how hurt he is. Or yeah. you know, I guess we know how hurt oh, he no, is, the, we don't know how he's, how he's, how he's going to look bad. after that. Yeah. yeah. But he would certainly be there like if this was a top 10 yeah. list. Those would have been my next 3, Lamar, Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow. Yeah. So, all right, Bear. Thanks for sticking around, man. You are welcome. Enjoy your uh, your weekend. You as well. When we come back, Tony Romo had some strong words to say about this upcoming Super Bowl, and I actually kind of agree with him. That's next. the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. This is The Rundown, hosted by
0: Luke Lipinski, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
1: Alright, the Super Bowl, I, I still hate that they push it back a whole extra week. And I know they've done this forever. It's not like something they just implemented. But I just I'm ready for the Super Bowl this weekend. I think most people are. And it's not like I think with these two teams it's gonna affect one of them where they had all this momentum and now they're gonna lose it. I don't I don't it's not that. And I guess I get on some level the thought of, okay, we want everybody as healthy as possible for the Super Bowl. But like Eric Fisher, it's a big deal. He's not playing. And and you could extend this break five weeks. He's not playing. I just, I feel like we're all in NFL mode right now. And there's going to become a point like next week, like Wednesday or something, where we're all going to be like, all right. Let's play the game. Like, I'm done talking about it. I'm not there yet, but that's what I'm saying. I wish they would play it uh, this weekend. I also really was hoping they would just have Bruce Arians mic'd up for two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl, but nobody has done that yet. Tony Romo had this to say about this matchup on February 7th, specifically the quarterback play. A- and let me preface this by saying, generally speaking, when we when we get into this uh, this two-week lead-up to the Super Bowl I just get so sick of hearing the quarterback comparison and the quarterback conversation and how it's all about the quarterbacks and that's all that really matters is the quarterbacks and this and that and you know you're measured as a quarterback by how many Super Bowl rings your team has and nothing else. Like there's just there's so many players on a football team and and I get quarterback is the most important position, but there are years where it's like there were years where the Patriots won the Super Bowl early on, like their early Super Bowls, where Tom Brady was was fine. He was a very good quarterback on a team with like a really good defense or a great coach, and then he obviously became Tom Brady. But I feel like we leave out a lot of the story when we just talk about the quarterback matchups, and it always seems to be worse and more extreme at the Super Bowl. But with all that said, I think this one has legitimate historic implications, and this is what Tony Romo had to say. I'll, I'll play this first.
0: This is why I keep going back to it. This
5: is the biggest game Patrick Mahomes will ever plan for the rest of his career. If the only way to catch Tom Brady, he has to win this game. If he loses this game, he cannot catch Tom Brady, in my opinion. The
1: only way to catch Tom Brady. That's the line that stands out to me because I think he's right. I really, I do. You know, we we talked about this a little bit yesterday when I was on with with Bickley during the day, and we did mock my world, and we were you know draft it was it was drafting the the best quarterback matchups in Super Bowl history, and this was my first pick, and I ended up picking fourth in the draft. But the reason that this one is so compelling to me is for what Tony Romo just said. Aaron Rodgers is, I guess I have to change how I say this now because he just lost to Brady again. Aaron Rodgers is one of the very best quarterbacks I have ever seen. And a week ago, I would have told you, and I did on the show, that I think just in terms of just, just watching a quarterback play, take the team, take everything else out of it, and just, okay, who's the most talented quarterback you've ever seen? But also, like, not just, oh, they're talented, and look at all their upside, and they threw it all away, like Jamarcus Russell or somebody like that. Like, a talented quarterback that does deliver, that has a Super Bowl, to me that's Aaron Rodgers like just based on the eye test but the thing is losing to Tom Brady last week is it it just it kind of takes you out of the conversation now of, of ever being able to catch Brady as best quarterback if you were even still in it because Brady's got 6 rings and he might get 7 and he just beat you in your one playoff matchup and you know what is Rodgers going to finish with at, at most maybe two super bowl rings maybe three i mean and I, I, I don't, I don't even know that he's going to get another one now, which is crazy. And some of that isn't his fault back when they had Mike McCarthy and they refused to bring pieces in, which again goes to the conversation of I hate measuring quarterbacks strictly by how many Super Bowl rings they have because there's a lot of other factors. Trent Dilfer and Aaron Rodgers have the same amount of Super Bowl rings. Trent Dilfer has more Super Bowl rings than Dan Marino. It's a flawed argument when that's all you look at. But man, when Brady has six and you only have one, I can't make the case for you. Which brings us back to Mahomes. I don't think you have to have six to be considered better than Tom Brady. I think if Patrick Mahomes plays the way he has played so far in his career and has a nice long 15-year career and he wins four Super Bowls or five Super Bowls, I know it's still asking a lot. but And let's say he gets to, I mean, Brady's been to so many conference championships. Like Brady's numbers are staggering. But let's say Mahomes gets close, and then it kind of comes down to like, are we just going to say Brady's better because he has one more ring than Patrick Mahomes? And that's obviously 15 years down the line or whatever. But Mahomes clearly looked like a better quarterback. Like, Mahomes can get into that conversation if Brady retires with six rings and Mahomes gets to four or five. But back to Romo's point, if you lose on February 7th to Brady, he's got seven he beat you head to head in the Super Bowl. Good luck ever catching him. In a lot of people's eyes, like look at the LeBron Jordan comparison, in some people's minds there's nothing LeBron could ever do to catch Michael Jordan. LeBron could finish with eight titles and they're going to they're going to pull out the yeah, but Jordan never lost in the finals. There's just there are some people that are never going to be able to there's nothing LeBron would ever be able to do to sway them. And I know we're looking way into the future here, but if Mahomes loses to Brady in a week and a half, I don't know how he's ever going to catch Brady in a lot of people's uh, minds because not only is Brady going to have six more rings than him, he's going to have beaten him head to head in the Super Bowl. And in that respect, as crazy and as hyperbolic as that sentence is and that soundbite is from Tony Romo. It kind of makes sense here. I'll play it again. This is why I
5: keep going back to it. This is the biggest game Patrick Mahomes will ever plan for the rest of his career. It's the only way to catch Tom Brady. He has to win this game. If he loses this game, he cannot catch Tom Brady. In my opinion.
1: I know that Romo's, you know, also pumping up this Super Bowl because he's, he's invested in it. But, um, I don't disagree. I, I, and I haven't heard anybody today react to that soundbite and be like, hey, you know what? Tony Romo's right. But you know what? Tony Romo's right. If you don't beat Brady, the, I mean, the, the, the only way you would ever be able to catch Tom Brady if you lose to him in a week here is if you meet him in the Super Bowl again before Brady retires, you beat him, and then you get like six rings. Like I said, if we get to the point 10 years from now where Mahomes has four rings and Brady has six, but Mahomes beat him head-to-head and Mahomes is a, it just looks like a better quarterback, I will absolutely consider Patrick Mahomes a better quarterback at that point. Better than Tom Brady. But that's a lot to ask even to get to that point. If you lose to Brady in a week, you're never catching him. And I got news for you. We can talk about all these young quarterbacks in the league and how exciting it is. And we just did that top five list. You know, Justin Herbert looks really good. Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, for as much love as we've given him this week. None of those guys are in Patrick Mahomes' league. The only active quarterback in the NFL, which means the only quarterback ever up to this point, that has a shot to catch Tom Brady is Patrick Mahomes. Now, maybe Trevor Lawrence or somebody else comes in in a couple of years and is amazing, and then we can start to have the conversation of maybe this guy could work his way into the discussion of being in the conversation. But the only guy, the only quarterback that we know of up to this point on January 29th, 2021, that's going to have a shot at catching Tom Brady as the greatest quarterback of all time, and it's going to take years and years, the only one is Patrick Mahomes. And because he's facing Tom Brady in a week, He may not be able to catch him if he loses that one. It would be totally different if this was Chiefs-Packers coming up. And, okay, Mahomes lost to Rodgers. Okay, well, big deal. Mahomes has been a starting quarterback for three years. Uh, He almost got to the Super Bowl his first year as a starter. He won it his second year, and he almost got there in his third year. That's what it would be. Or he almost won it in his third year. That's what it would be. He loses to Rodgers. Okay. I mean, you lose to Rodgers, you're behind Rodgers at that point, but you can look and say, Patrick Mahomes has his whole career in front of him. He can make up ground on these guys. But if you lose head-to-head to Brady and Brady gets the seventh, I don't know that anybody's ever catching Tom Brady at that point. I heard Burns and Gambo today talking about it, and, and, and Burns said basically there are some records that you just don't believe can ever be caught, and Brady having six rings as a quarterback might be one of them. I'm not quite there yet. I do think Mahomes could get, maybe he won't catch him record-wise, but I think he could get to a point, like I said, where you, you perceive him as a better quarterback, but he's got to have like four rings to be in that conversation. But if Brady gets to seven, it's over for the, for the next decade at least. So with that in mind, there's a lot more than just, oh, the Chiefs won their second or Brady won again and he proved he could do it without Belichick. To me, the historical significance of this upcoming Super Bowl in the moment, knowing how historic it is 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 almost unmatched. Almost, I'm, I'm sure there's been other great ones. I'm sure when Elway was going for his first Super Bowl, there was obviously you know, there was, was a big deal. And, and Brady, you know, winning his fourth and fifth and sixth, they're big. But I think that discussion of greatest quarterback of all time either gets really opened up on February 7th, and we're like, okay, keep an eye on Patrick Mahomes because he might start making a run at this. That would be two Super Bowls in his first three years as a starter, and if D. Ford isn't offsides, it might be three Super Bowls in his first three years as a starter. Yeah, you got to keep an eye on him. Or that conversation might get closed if Brady wins again. All right, we'll come back with hour number two of the show, starting with the Reload. Next, it's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload.
1: hour number two of the show live from the auction community studios luke lipinski here with you jeff darge behind the glass last night was a pretty good night in valley sports and it was a much needed one it was like it was like when it rains after a long drought which by the way it's been raining all day today We'll start with the Phoenix Suns, who had lost three in a row. They had lost five of six. They had four of five, all these different, like, whatever combination you wanted to to throw out there. If you wanted to go most recently, they couldn't win a game three straight. Or if you wanted to go big picture, okay, they're struggling. Devin Booker's hurt. DeAndre Ayton looked great for four games. Didn't look so good in the game the other night. So the game last night against Golden State was an opportunity to bounce back quickly after the really, really disappointing loss to Oklahoma City on Wednesday but also a chance to kind of stop the bleeding and the Suns took advantage and they did that and former son Kelly Oubre really helped by going 1 for 11 like it's one thing to not be making your shots it's another thing to keep taking your shots as you're not making them he attempted the second most shots on Golden State last night behind Steph Curry who went 10 for 20 (laughs) so the the Warriors are a team that the Suns are going to be competing with for a playoff spot this season and they could both make the playoffs but I'm saying like just in terms of positioning that win last night does so much because it just it it gets you a win without Devin Booker Monty Williams after the game was just so much more proud relieved however you want to describe it with his team and he was asked, you know, how would you go from playing the way you did 24 hours ago against Oklahoma City to playing
6: the way you did tonight? Yeah, I mean, we I thought about it. When we got to the, the third quarter, you start thinking, like, <laughs> are we going to go that route again? And then you got to clear that out of your mind and give the team some direction and some and structure and, and give them confidence and then just tell them to play. We had a really good film session today. And the players deserve all the credit for You know, taking the things that I had to say to them this morning, I I, I challenged them, but I I challenged them in a good way. Um, You know, my mode of coaching is to never call people out. I want to call them up. And I just, you know, I just reminded them how good we can be when we play the right way. And we had, you know, spells of that last night and even in the games before, but we hadn't put it together and been consistent with it.
1: Yeah. I don't think the Suns have huge problems. I I mean, in years past, they certainly have. But you know they still have obviously a ways to go. They're one game above 500, but I'm 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 just I'm confident they're going to do it. I'm confident they're going to figure it out. And Monty Williams is a major reason why. And it just it he takes the losses so personally, and that that's great. But if you don't know what you're doing, then it doesn't matter. He knows what he's doing, and this team is just like a guy like Devin Booker has had to endure losing for so long that you know he's going to do anything he can to get this team winning into the playoffs. And Chris Paul's got a lot on the line, not in terms of his legacy, but, you know, him, he switches teams, he comes here, you know, when you have when you have built up the legacy Chris Paul has, no, if the Suns miss the playoffs this year, it's not going to tarnish it, but Chris Paul doesn't look at it that way, he's like, no, this is what I do, I get teams to the playoffs, I'll make DeAndre Ayton better, I'll make this team better, I'll make Devin Booker so there's that motivation there. Like I said, Monty Williams takes it so personally. The guys that have been on this team for a couple years, there's not many of them now. But the guys that have, they're like, okay, we've we've suffered with the losing, and also a lot of them were there in the bubble last year, so they got a taste of winning. I think this team's motivation is there. I think their intentions are good. I, I, I you know, I know DeAndre Ayton's kind of a wild card, but I feel like they all, they're all going to put in the work and try and do it. I don't want to repeat the same analogy, but I made this one yesterday on the midday show, and it just, it it fits. I feel like for the first time in a long time, the Suns have all the pieces to build the puzzle. They just got to figure out how to make them fit together. And when you look at the Western Conference and with the structure of the way the playoffs are this year, I'm pretty confident they're going to be there because of all those reasons I just said, but also you just got to finish top 10 in the West. Now, This is an unsuccessful season, in my mind, if they don't make the actual playoffs. But to have a shot at the playoffs, you just got to finish top 10. Ideally, you would finish top 6, and then you're just in the playoffs. And not only are you in the playoffs, you're probably not playing the Lakers in the first round. But the cutoff to at least be playing postseason basketball, even if it's not considered the playoffs, even if it's the play-in, to give yourself a chance, that's top 10. And right now, the Suns are 7th, even with the struggles they've had lately. They're behind Memphis, who I maybe I don't give Memphis enough credit, but I think that, to me the Suns should be better than them. John Morant is is obviously an issue, but but you know what I'm saying. The Spurs are ahead of the Suns. Like they, they, there's two teams ahead of the Suns right now. They're in seventh. There's two teams ahead of them. I think they could jump. Now you know Portland maybe if they ever get healthy, which doesn't seem like they're going to, maybe they could they could pass the Suns. Maybe Golden State could pass the Suns if they can get either. Ubre shooting better or anything for Ubre, maybe Dallas jumps back into the picture. But even if all those things happen, even even if the Suns don't catch Memphis or San Antonio, and let's say Portland, Golden State, and Dallas all pass the Suns, they're still going to be in tenth at that point. You know what I mean? So I, I think they're on their way up. But even if they take a slight step back, they can still make the play in and have to work their way in. I just I'm confident this team's going to get it together. Uh, big games though on Saturday and Monday against Dallas because the Mavericks are sort of a mess. They've lost three in a row. They're eight and ten, and, and right now they're just kind of Luca and some other guys. Um, not like if you if you could sweep this series this weekend and, and Monday, you would you would just bury the Mavericks. It's not like that, but hey, you can put them in a tough spot at least and. Uh, Anytime you can put a team into, not panic mode, but a spot where they are kind of scrambling to, to figure things out, do it. Especially when it's Dallas, who uh, I, I think Suns fans get a little little extra fired up for those games. They, they may have Luka, but if you can win the games, then, you know, <laughs> so that's a nice consolation prize. Keeping with the uh, the theme of teams that have been struggling in the Valley winning a game, ASU hadn't won since December 13th when they beat GCU. The day the Cardinals also beat the New York Giants So think about that The last time the the Sun Devils had won a basketball game Was the the time the Cardinals played the New York Giants Uh, Since then they had been 0-6 They had had 5 games postponed But they beat Cal last night 72-68 Remy Martin 19 points in that one Kamani Lawrence stepped in Played well He had uh, 8 rebounds And uh, Marvin Bagley 4 assists That I believe is a career high for Marvin Bagley I do wonder as we start to look forward. You know, a if ASU can put together a run, I think they probably have to win the Pac-12 tournament or something uh, to make the NCAA tournament. If we even have a Pac-12, there's (laughs) the the path is very unclear for ASU. They had to win a game. They have to get going. I do wonder if there's a possibility that either Josh Christopher or Marcus Bagley might come back. I think under normal circumstances, they wouldn't. I think if they're being clearly told that they are both first-rounders, which a lot of sites still have them as first-rounders, then they probably won't. But if there's any thought like, hey, you know, Marcus, you didn't get to play enough this year, so you may end up going like 28th in the draft. Maybe go back to ASU for what is technically your sophomore year, even though you've only played like 15 games as a freshman. Maybe they get one of those guys back. I don't know. ASU, one win by four points over Cal doesn't suddenly make me feel like they've got it all figured out but it is a starting point, right? Uh, Coyotes also snapped the losing streak last night. They had lost two in a row. They had been shut out, one nothing in both games. That was the first time since they came to Arizona that they had lost back-to-back games, one nothing. But now you can flip it. They get a 3-2 win over Anaheim last night, so you can go the other way with the Coyotes and say, okay, they won their most recent game. They've only given up six total goals in their last four games, which is pretty good. And two of those were against Vegas, who might win the Stanley Cup this year. So that makes it even better. So we'll see. The Coyotes now have some time off. Maybe they don't want time off after winning last night, but they don't play until Tuesday. And they haven't. Every game so far this season, their eight games in, has been you know, game, next night off game. Like they're just playing every other night. Now they get a break, which uh, in hockey, I mean, it's this way in every sport. But in hockey, like you really do need those those stretches where you like you have a couple nights between games like you normally would in a normal season just because you know if you play monday night and you don't play again until say thursday night on tuesday you can either take a day off or you can have like a completely different practice where you're working on the power play and you're doing this and that you're not just kind of practices when you're playing every other day are like very frantic and let's just get in as much as we can you want to start to, like, work on your power play or your penalty kill or, you know, certain plays or different line. You want to tinker with different lines or whatever. You kind of need a couple days to do that. So this will be the first time that the Coyotes get that chance this season. Uh, NFL Deshaun Watson, Texans' Nick Casario says uh, they have no interest in trading Deshaun Watson. And new head coach David Coley said, uh, no, I, I know he's going to be the guy. I know he's going to be the quarterback of the Houston Texans. Um I don't know how he knows that, but uh, this is uh, this is the exact quote from David Culley.
5: The only thing I knew about this whole situation at that point was is that I was being interviewed for for this job to be the head coach, and I did know at that point Deshaun Watson's a Houston Texan. He's a quarterback of the Houston Texans, and that's all that I was concerned about, and that's all I knew. And and whatever was been said about what was been what he wanted to do or he didn't want to do, all I know is this having been in this business this long, you know, he is a Houston Texan. And I want him to be a Houston Texan. And the reason I'm in this position today is because I knew he's going to be a Houston Texan. And so that the outside stuff that was being said was irrelevant to me because the most important thing to me is that at that time was figuring out what can I do after talking with Nick and his family to become the head coach of the Houston Texans.
1: Yeah, look, none of this is David Culley's fault. He just got there. But with all due respect to him, I don't think Deshaun Watson's looking at everything that's happened over the last couple of years and saying, well, they hired David Culley, so I'm coming back, even though I just said I don't want to come back. Um, I guess that's what you got to say if you're the new coach, and I guess that's what you got to say if you're the GM. Oh, yeah, he's going to come back. We don't have any interest in trading him. You can't go out there and say, yeah, we're definitely trading him because you just you kill his trade value. I mean, in this case, it wouldn't just completely obliterate it because there's going to be a bidding war but i understand that it's just sort of like gming 101 that if you're going to trade a guy you don't go out and tell everybody you're going to trade him but let's be real here i mean if if your plan is to bring deshaun watson back next year you better have an amazing heart-to-heart sit-down conversation with him and a lot of what he seems to be upset about is that he doesn't trust them because they don't have those conversations with them and, and follow through so I, I I don't know how Houston plans on salvaging this, but I guess more power to them if they believe that Sean Watson could be their starting quarterback next season. Uh, also in the NFL, the L.A. Rams, there was a story by Jeremy Fowler on ESPN today. Probably not what you want to hear if you're a Cardinals fan, but he said uh, Matthew Stafford considers the Rams a viable contender to be able to get him in a trade. The Rams are sort of the the X factor in this division in terms of the off season. Seattle is what they are. They're, they're always going to be good with Russell Wilson. The 49ers are tough because they were fourth this year. And in terms of improving this off season, they're most likely to improve more than anybody in the NFC West. Cause they're going to get all these guys healthy. They're going to have George Kittle play in theory, a full season. Nick Bosa will be back. They lost a lot of defensive players last year. They lost four different running backs at multiple times in the season if they're just like kind of normal nfl health they're going to be better and it sounds like they're going to upgrade a quarterback they have they have draft capital and more cap space to be able to do it than the rams but if the rams could go out there and get matthew stafford that is a in my mind a significant upgrade over jared Goff the way Goff's been playing that is the last thing the cardinals need is this like nightmare scenario where the 49ers get deshaun watson and the rams get matthew stafford because then I don't know how you're finishing higher than fourth. I really don't. Your edge over these other teams right now is Kyler Murray. Their edge over you is their coaching, because you're in a division with three of the best coaches in the NFL. If they go out there and they... If Deshaun Watson ends up on the 49ers, they have an edge on you at quarterback. Cardinals will still have the edge over... I think You take Kyler Murray over Matthew Stafford, but the Rams always beat the Cardinals anyway. So this, uh, this offseason is especially... Potentially impactful for the Cardinals with all these quarterbacks moving around. All right, we come back. We're going to hear from Steve Weish of the NFL Network and get his thoughts on the Deshaun Watson situation and the, uh, the week now leading up to the Super Bowl. That's next. It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: The rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Boy, it's, it's up
1: and down with this Phoenix Suns team this year. Just like the emotions for the fan base, because I think most most Valley sports fans look at if you're just looking at the four like the main four teams that everybody you know nationally would talk about. Like if you're going NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, and NHL. I know we got a ton of other teams in the city, which is part of what makes the city great. But if you're just looking at those four teams, and you're a Valley sports fan of all four teams, I, I, at this point. I think the most enthusiasm as far as a team having a high ceiling is for the Suns. Uh, The Coyotes are the team that, I mean, they just made the playoffs last year and they might make it again this year. The Suns might make it this year. I thought the Cardinals were going to make it this year. I really thought that with two games left and they only had to beat C.J. Beathard and and or John Wolford, and well, we all know how that played out. So with the Suns, now with the Cardinals season ending earlier than most of us thought it would, and the Diamondbacks, <laughs> the Diamondbacks are in, a, in a, a bad spot and in a very difficult division, so it's hard to really be enthusiastic about their playoff chances, although we don't know. Major League Baseball might just let 30 teams in the playoffs this year, so I, they don't even know when their season's starting. The Suns are the one where it's like now, if you are a sports fan in the Valley, even if the Suns weren't your favorite team, you're like, all right, let's go. And they start 5-1, and one, and you get Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton has looked better in some of these games, and then they kind of fall apart for a while. And so they they lose games to Detroit, and Washington, and Oklahoma City, and you're like, all right, if we're not going to beat the teams that we're supposed to beat, how am I supposed to believe this is a playoff team or a team that's going to do any damage? They are at this unexpected crossroads, or at least unanticipated, say like a year ago, because at some point you're going to have to pay DeAndre Ayton, and you don't know exactly what he is yet. You also could look and say, OK, as long as they keep, you know, trending upward and make the actual playoffs this year and, you know, next year, maybe win a series or two. OK, that, yeah, that's steady progress. But you're not going to have Chris Paul forever either. So everything kind of comes together and it's like your your window that you know you have is this year and next year when you have Chris Paul. And then there's more unknown seeping back in. So these losses sting a little bit more, but the win last night was a was a good one over Golden State. That's a team that, uh, at the end of the day, is more likely to be a competitor with you in the playoff race than Oklahoma City, although give Oklahoma City credit. Uh, Chris Paul was asked afterwards, how difficult
4: have these first five weeks been? Oh, uh, it's tough. It's tough on everybody. You know, um, things aren't ideal, but it's not ideal for anybody. You know, I think... Uh, we're very blessed and fortunate to be able to go out and play this game and to be able to you know, do our jobs. There's so many people who don't get that opportunity. Uh, that doesn't make it any easier. But uh, I give a lot of credit to you know, all the staff, all the workers, the guys in the league who have um, been doing everything physically possible to make this thing work. Now, if you remember after the game against Oklahoma City on Wednesday, the
1: theme of Monty Williams' press conference, there were a few. One was that he wasn't very happy. But one of them was certainly he wants more consistency. And uh, Charles Barkley, the clip we played earlier, he was he's disappointed in the Suns that they don't have an identity yet. So Chris Paul was asked
4: flat out, what is this team's identity? Yeah, we, we're finding it. Uh, I think at the end of the day, we want to hang our hat on the defensive end. We've been a really good defensive team. Uh, we got to find our rhythm on offense. We done had different guys in and out the uh, the lineup. Uh, we would out book right now, but, you know, it's a process and we're going to keep building and we're going to find it. And, uh, finally, look, we've talked about it a ton here, but in terms of a national
1: audience asking this question to Chris Paul, what's that relationship like with DeAndre Ayton and what has
4: he seen out of the big guy? Talk to him all the time. Talk to him all the time. I've been fortunate enough to play with a lot of really good bigs. I played with Tyson Chandler, uh, played with DeAndre Jordan, a lot of, a lot of different guys over the years. And he, he has the full package and I think we just got to continue to bring it out of him. And the biggest thing about him is he wants to learn and he listens.
1: Thing to, to remember with this Suns team, it the way Chris Paul plays is obviously extremely effective. He's an all-time great. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, when he switches teams, sometimes it takes a little while for them to adjust. Oklahoma City last year finished tied with the fourth best record in the Western Conference. Like Shea Gilge's Alexander's good. Lou Dort's getting better. But that was mostly Chris Paul last year. They started last year 5-10 and 10 before they really got going. The Suns right now are 9-8. and eight they're playing without Booker. You know, it's it could be a lot worse and I really I do think you have to give this if this if 17 games in they were 4 and 13, okay, well you got to panic and you and you got to fix something or it's, I, don't, I don't even know what you do at that point. But we're not at that point. They're 9 and 8. If this is the floor for this team, even if the ceiling isn't as high as maybe some people thought at the beginning of the year, if this is the floor, they they will be they will be okay. It's it, it's going to take a little time with all the new pieces. Okay, I want to switch gears here abruptly to college football actually. Interesting piece up on ESPN.com today. It's called Ranking All 130 College Football Teams in Tiers for the Upcoming Season. And this this is one of those benefits of having Herm Edwards. I mean this this in itself doesn't necessarily pay off, but they got four uh four football personalities pictured in the front of the article. Of course one of them is Herm. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to look at that article and be like, oh, let's give ASU more votes for the national playoff next year. But it's just sort of a reminder of how prominent ASU is to recruits nationally now that they maybe weren't a few years ago. But that's not the point here. The point is, uh, so they went through, and they ranked them all, they put them in tiers, and they go through, uh, I'll read through a few of them. Tier one is the championship favorites, and it's who you'd expect. It's Alabama. I mean, they win it every year. It's 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 the same teams that are always there. Uh, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, a couple other teams. Then there's the knocking on the door group. That includes Notre Dame. It includes Oregon, uh, Florida. There's a few other teams. You get down to the third tier. Teams will spend a lot of time making a case for who won't actually make the playoffs. So, again, these are still teams that they're saying might be able to maybe, you know, push at least on those ranking shows to be relevant Every, what is it, Tuesday night when they put out the official rankings, Monday or Tuesday night, everything's a blur now in 2021. Um, so they list off some teams there. The fourth tier is where you find ASU. And now I'm trying to figure out how many tiers there are. There's a lot. There's, the, there's 10 tiers, including number nine, Yikes, which is where U of A is. Now I have to look at who's, UConn and Kansas are in the 10th team. The 10th tier, which is simply called UConn and Kansas. That's mean. Uh so number 4 though is the high ceiling low floor. Like good luck trying to figure out what these these teams are going to do and that's where ASU resides. And uh more than anything, it really is just a it's an indicator of of the the wide range for ASU football. And I said this the other day, you look at the basketball season at ASU and and it, there was so much promise having two potential first round picks two potential lottery picks when you look at Bagley and Josh Christopher coming into the season and you start off that Thanksgiving weekend you you play pretty good basketball you end up losing to Villanova but you win some games and then the wheels have come off whether it's been by postponements or just simply losing to like okay teams losing to your rival U of A in embarrassing fashion one night and gut-wrenching fashion five nights before losing to some bad teams ASU basketball, like, the wheels have come off that season. Some of it's because of of the the pandemic. Some of it's just because they don't fit. But ASU football is one where I do think that team was going to do good things this year. And you're never going to be able to convince me they weren't. Not like, oh, they were going to make the playoff and they were going to take out uh, Ohio State and they were going to push Alabama. Like, none of that. But even at the start of the 2019 season... I was convinced 2020 was their year, and obviously 2020 was nobody's year, other than Alabama. So how they bounce back next season is really going to say a lot about the direction of the program because this was, in a weird way, like a forced throwaway season in the Pac-12. Like this would have been a year to kind of be transitioning or not have all the pieces. I guess you had the pieces. So now, you, in this group where ESPN has them, I mean, this is with this is with big schools like LSU and Auburn and Michigan. That's those are the other teams in this group. So to find ASU in that group. Like there are expectations nationally, and it's it's going to be interesting to see how they do next season because that's that's the one team here in town where it's like I, I feel like they kind of everybody's dealing with stuff this this year right now. And a lot of it's much bigger than sports. I get that. But in, in the scope of sports, teams or programs that have been affected, ASU football is the one I kind of give a pass to. ASU basketball, I wish they would have handled it better or at least handled what they could control better. But ASU football, it's like, yeah, that, that's, I, feel, I feel like this is a, a lost season that Sun Devil fans are always going to look back at and be like, that could have been, been a good year for us. But, you know, again, back to this article, they're predicting pretty big things for ASU next year. Anytime you're in a group with Auburn and LSU, uh, <laughs> Michigan, if they're not playing Ohio State with Jim Harbaugh as their coach, that's a pretty good group to be in. All right, we're going to wrap things up with a round of this or that next. This is like, this is Jeff Darge's specialty, this or that. It's coming up next. It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on 987FM, Arizona Sports Station. All right, that music means it's time for a party. But that music also means it's time for this or that. So this is how this works. I've got five questions for Jeff behind the glass. Jeff has four questions. Right, I already messed it up. That's over. I have four questions for Jeff behind the glass. Jeff has four questions for me. There are only two possible answers. I'm already trailing in a game where you don't keep score. Um, Jeff, do you want to answer the first question or ask the first question? Oh, this, this is a tough question. It's almost like the first question. This is the fifth question. Right well,
3: now, now we only have three questions.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> God, the math is so I'll, overwhelming. <laughs>
3: uh, I'll take the first question. What does that mean? You want to answer it? You- yeah, I'll
1: answer.
3: <laughs> good, good point. <laughs>
1: the show is almost over. All right, um, let's. Uh, I'll start with sports. Let's say all the teams in town tomorrow. We wake up and they all, each one of them, needs somebody who has not played that sport professionally to step in and play for them. So, Jeff, you are you are faced with a scenario that you either need to step in and play for the Arizona Cardinals or the Phoenix Suns. Which one are you prepared to step in and play for? I mean, self-preservation, preser- I'd rather
3: play for the Suns. Okay. Uh, I think also Boyhood Jeff would rather see me grow up and play one single game for the Phoenix Suns. Okay. But we're guaranteeing a loss for whoever gets me. True. Like, they could put me in, like, the least consequential position on the Cardinals, and I would still find a way to blow the game completely. (laughs) Like, you would just run out on the field if you were the backup punter? Oh, yeah, like, I would consistently be the 12th man on the field. Like, they would (laughs) assign one coach just to watch me. So, I would definitely be a son for a day even though
1: all of my favorite athletes would hate me afterwards. Yeah, that's kind of a downer. So, but the Suns play 72 games a season, so they could in theory absorb the loss that you would bring on them.
3: Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, one game out of 16, I like I would be a pariah in Phoenix if I played a game for the Cardinals, yeah. but hopefully towards the end of the season people will have completely forgotten me. Like, I remembered the other day, the Suns had Jimmer for debt. Yeah, see? And I could do better than that. You could be 2021 Jimmer. Like, at the very least, if Devin Booker has 58 points, I'm going to pass the ball to him (laughs) and not shoot the ball. That's the only difference between me and Jimmerfordette. The
1: past might not get there, but at least Booker would know you were trying.
3: Yeah, he okay. won't be able to think that himself is just really untalented at basketball. <laughs> that's a great option. All right. Okay, that's a good answer. So I'll, I'll keep it on sports, but I'll, I'll change our market real quick. Okay. Let's say a uh, some, some sports wizard curses you. You must now root... For a single LA team, but it has to be one of the extremely unpopular in LA teams. Are you going to be a Clippers fan or a Chargers fan?
1: Oh, okay. Good question. Good question. Uh, I think, well, okay, let's work through this. If you're a Chargers fan, You're the only Chargers fan, so they would all know you, and they would appreciate what you're bringing to them. That's fair. But if I'm a Clippers fan, I can actively root against the Lakers, which is something I really enjoy doing.
3: That's true, but have you ever talked to a Lakers fan about the Clippers?
1: They talk about Clippers fans like they're second-class citizens. Yeah, they really do, until the Clippers are good, and then they jump over. Um, I'm going to go Chargers. I'd like to get in on the ground floor. I think they could be good. Uh, I like where they're located. They're kind of in the like southern, you know, like towards Orange County, towards Huntington Beach. I'll go Chargers. You got Justin Herbert. You got a quarterback. You got something in your building. The Clippers could be an absolute mess if Kawhi Leonard and Paul George leave after this year. Which yeah, they might... you're, you're already
3: on borrowed time. Even if they stay, well, and they gave up everything for those two guys. Yeah, have fun drafting nobody for the next three years.
1: <laughs> uh, all right, I will switch over to non-sports here. Okay. You live in a world where there is either no new music ever, like what we have up to this point, you can listen to all the old stuff, but there's never going to be anything new, or the opposite. You don't remember any of the old stuff, you can never listen to it again, but there will be new music. I would stick with the old stuff
3: just to... I I feel like the older that I get, the worse that's going to be, because when I'm 60, I'm not going to want to listen to what people are listening to and like... (laughs) And now I'm trying to do year math, like, 2040 or whatever.
1: There, You're not going to want to listen to, like, Justin Bieber's grandkids?
3: Yeah, okay. and just, like, the, the sound of a broken washing machine. That's what I envision music of the future is going <laughs> to be. Eventually, it, it will just turn into noises.
1: So, like, I would like the old hits. Okay. You know what? When you make that argument, I don't want to be listening to a broken washing machine when I'm 60 either. So, yeah, I would prefer, like, Led Zeppelin to that. Yeah. Okay. Good answer.
3: Uh, If you were a pro wrestler, would you rather be a good guy or a bad guy? Oh.
1: See, I think the answer is good guy because I feel like, ultimately, you would make more money, too. Um... So, like, I'm not as well versed in wrestling as everybody in this building is, but The Rock was considered a good guy.
3: Um, no. Yeah, he he was uh he was a bad guy for a significant amount of time because oh. his main rival for the late '90s was uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Okay, I guess. You know, okay. Well, and then when he came back, they played him up as like, oh, he's
1: all Hollywood. He doesn't care about pro wrestling anymore. <laughs> well, that might be true. Yeah. Uh, well, wow, that's. I think I'd still go good guy because I'm not great at people hating me. But you're right, there might be a there might be a more exciting path going down the dark side. Yeah, just like
3: pro wrestling bad guys get away with anything. No, like there, there are some wild things that like WWE and the other promotions have put on
1: having their bad guys doing. This is one of the I feel like I need to think about this answer and then answer this question the next time you were running this show. WWE
3: did a storyline uh, about 10, 15 years ago where the, the, the two fighters were doing a ladder match over the custody of the
1: good guy's child. God. So you can <laughs> do state. anything if you're a bad guy. <laughs> uh, okay. I'll go back to sports. You have to trade one of the number one picks in town. Are you trading Kyler Murray? or Are you trading Deandre? Ayton? Now factor in if you're, you know what you might be able to get back for them too, but you have to trade one of them. Now that you've ruined the Suns as a player, you're forced as a GM to either trade Aiton or Kyler Murray.
3: Oh, man, that is... that's hard. I I don't want to... I don't want to trade Aiton, but I really don't want to trade a kid who looks like a franchise quarterback. Because in in two years, I'm definitely going to be a pariah. (laughs) Whereas, this is... I, I don't think there should be as big of an argument about trading deandre Ayton as there seems to have been over the past like month of the nba season but if you're putting me in that tight position i'm sorry deandre Ayton. i i love you you are my gigantic adult son but uh
1: <laughs> daddy's gotta trade you Dude, look, it's all business. And this game's all about not becoming a pariah. So, Plus, you've already angered the sons when you played for them, so why not just finish them off? Yeah,
3: just really have them curse my name. <laughs> okay. Oh, we might run out of time. All right, go ahead. Uh, I'll go with a uh, quick one then. Uh, would you rather explore space or the ocean?
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, this is a good question.
1: <sighs> I'm not a big ocean fan. Like, could I explore the ocean from the beach? Could I be like, oh, those waves look bigger today? Like, I, I, I guess. <laughs> I mean, if you would allow that, then I guess I would go ocean. But there's stuff in the ocean. We don't know what it is. I don't really want to get like, but I guess there's stuff in space. We don't know what it is either.
3: Yeah. Like, huh. I, I feel, but the odds of running into something in space, I feel like, are, are yeah, astronomically oh. uh, astronomically lower than the odds of... Running into like you know a shark.
1: Yeah, I don't. I'm not a big shark fan. If you could guarantee me I get back, I guess I would go space. Y- you'll you'll get back, but will will all of you return? <laughs> that's, that's a pretty important question. Uh, okay, we only have a minute left. Last one for you. Rain or sun? Sun. Okay. Uh, yeah,
3: I I'm built for here, You're and the rain here, scares me. What? Are yeah, from here? yeah. I'm from Tempe. Okay. Uh, if you were an NBA draft pick, would you rather
1: go to a big market or a small market? Uh big big, big market, yeah. You I don't know, mind the expectations? No. I mean, I wouldn't really want to play for the Knicks because there's no hope, but I would much rather play in New York or L.A. or somewhere like that than, I don't know, what's a, Sacramento, who's on TV right now? Yeah, so... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd rather have the expectations and, and the, uh, the the potential upside. All right, yeah. that was good. Then you got to deal with the New York Post writing mean things about you on their cover. Yeah, that's true. That, that feels like that's unavoidable if you're famous at all. All right, that was this or that. Thanks to Jeff Darge behind the glass. Thanks to Cody Fincher for helping out tonight, too. I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to The Rundown on 98.7 FM, Arizona sports station.